I'm Michael Dunn, and you're listening to Oregon Rainmakers on KLCC. My guest today is Matt Sorensen, the Executive Director of the Boys and Girls Clubs of Emerald Valley. The mission of the Boys and Girls Club is to inspire and empower all young people, especially those that need them most. Matt Sorensen, Executive Director of the Boys and Girls Clubs of Emerald Valley, thanks so much for coming in and talking to us. Oh, thank you. So take us back. T- talk about your career and how you ultimately got to become the executive director of the Boys and Girls Clubs. Uh, well, I actually kind of stumbled upon it. Um, it is now. Sometimes that's the best way to find your perfect job. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And I, it's been uh, just a little over 17 years I've worked on behalf of Kids Through Boys and Girls Clubs. Okay. So it's quite a, quite a long time when I think about it. Um, but I, I came into it as I graduated college from the University of Idaho. So go Vandals. There you uh, go. Any, any of you poor souls. <laughs> Moscow, me. right? Moscow, yeah, Idaho. Moscow, yeah. yeah, the Palouse. <laughs> so um, graduated college and kind of like a lot of young college grads was like, I'm going to do whatever I want. Take on the world. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> and But I didn't really have direction. So I happened to be working at an office depot at the time okay. and was just doing retail. Um, but learned a lot of experience in leadership and like kind of how to do things. Fast forward, I had met a friend who I consider a friend now, Joey Schuler, who uh, through Craigslist, like he was looking for a roommate. Okay. I was like, hey, I need a room. Sure. He happened to work at a boys and girls club. Oh, wow. And okay. uh, so I had my- In dinner. Northern Idaho? Where you were? This actually is in Boise, Idaho. Boise, okay, okay. So I moved back down. I grew up in the Boise, Idaho okay, area. Sure. Okay, Okay. Um, but my degree for context was in, uh, my degree is public communication okay. with an emphasis in English and history. Hmm. So it's a liberal arts d- okay. degree, essentially. Okay. Um, but I hadn't really known how I was going to use that work. I had hmm. no idea. So um, met Joey. He happened to work at a boys and girls club. And I went to the club to pick him up one day after work. And I was like, whoa, what is this place? It's interesting. And he was like, actually, we happen to be hiring over at the Boise clubhouse if you'd want to do that. Hmm. Why that's so interesting is that I had always gravitated towards service. Okay. My dad was with, uh, did a lot of things with search and rescue. Oh. Um, he did a service through Kiwanis. He coached. And I always asked as an excuse to spend time with him. I was like, hey, can mm. I go with you and do that? And little did I know is that the Boys and Girls Club ended up being something that absolutely captured my imagination. And all of these skills that I had accumulated through my life, uh, be it Office Depot, working in retail, um, having jobs through college, um, really played well because it gave me the framework in which to take if you've ever spent any time with folks that work in the nonprofit field, mm-hmm. they have humongous hearts. They want to give everything they can towards their mission. But often one of the things I see as a tripping point for myself and a lot of folks in nonprofit specifically is we struggle to get organized to really build a f- robust framework to make sure that it's a sound business practice in addition to being a wonderful mission. And so yeah. that's where I feel that my skills kind of interplayed in a way that really helped. Yeah. Um, was in Boise doing that work at a club, started as a as an assistant club director, then kind of worked my way up. And then I got my first big opportunity actually in Eastern Oregon hmm. in 2013. I was offered the role as an executive director for the Boys and Girls Club of Western Treasure Valley in Malheur County. Shout out to our friends in Eastern Oregon. Okay. Um, and learned about Oregon. I had been in Idaho in my whole life. Now. Okay. But the Eastern side of the state is a very different experience than over here in the I-5 corridor. And I came to understand very intimately, because I worked there for six years, the struggles, the worldviews, the kind of why the state of Oregon is a really tricky place to do business 
it, it, it from border to border because sure. you know those of us that are here in the i5 we have a brilliant way of living and we have some really great ideas on how to do things but the folks on the eastern side have such a different lived experience i sympathize very very much with how they see things so differently yeah. and feel they're at the end of the whip so anyways fast forward i have is given the opportunity to my my wife and i my wife olivia and our uh-huh. two kids everett and sawyer we were at a, a stage as a family it's like well where do we want to call home and put down roots and really be there and raise the boys and do that? And um, as much as we love living in Ontario, Oregon, which it was a wonderful community, mm-hmm. we also knew that we wanted a little bit bigger community, a little bit more variety. And so this club in Eugene happened to be hiring. And so I was fortunate enough to be offered the opportunity to lead this club in 2019. Nice. We relocated here in July. My first day was my birthday in July. <laughs> um, and, uh, We've now been here. It's a little over four years, and it's been brilliant. So uh, it's 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 one of those things that like now I've got my two, I walked my two kids to school today in Springfield. <laughs> we happen to call Springfield home, okay, and we live in the Washburn area. And um, those are those quality of life, those pieces we were looking for, because the things that made Ontario a great home in Eastern Oregon is much what we found in Springfield, Eugene area is that there's great community, a sense of community. People have a lot of pride in what they're doing. Yeah. They care deeply about their kids, and that's why I felt compelled that this could be a great community for me to continue my career was there is a high need for youth services and high and and, in supporting kids. And there's people who get that and care deeply about that and want to contribute and participate. And so I'm just so, it's funny how life works is it's only when you look backwards, you go, wow, all these things have really lined up my being here. So it's a very long winded answer for, for how I kind of came sure, to this sure. spot. Well, it's interesting as, as I'm listening, like, you know, I'm very fortunate. I get to talk to a lot of nonprofit leaders and, and something you, you, you talked about, which is, is so very important is you're right. It's a mission driven industry and that has to be, but gosh, your business leaders and, and that discipline and the talent uh, has to be there because you could have the biggest heart in the world, but if you don't have that kind of, you know, foundation infrastructure in place, it could go awry pretty quickly, couldn't it? Absolutely. Um, I've I've seen so many well-intended organizations that they can't become stable and sustainable because their business acumen, unfortunately, is yeah. actually working against them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what was it? Talk a little bit about you sort of were when you first got to a boys and girls clubs, you were kind of a doer and, and you've you've ascended to leadership, uh, a, a leadership position. Talk about and, and you did a little bit some of your world experiences, how that helped shape you as a leader, whether it was retail or just coming up through the ranks at a boys and girls club. Sure. Um I think really the first thing was is that, and I, I tell this to my team um, when when we're kind of going through training and stuff, is that I I probably was one of the worst <laughs> leaders managers, and I would not have enjoyed working for myself when I first started. Hmm. I was really really green, hmm. and I had come from a, a time and era of a much different approach to how you interface with people because I. You know, my first job, I was 16, so that would be 1996. Hmm. The way in which you interfaced with your employees at a grocery store, which is where I worked, Mm -hmm. or at the fields when I moved to Sprinkler Pipe, 
It was a master and command kind of approach, okay. right? This is what you do. Go do it. And if you had any input or reflection on that, mm-hmm. it really wasn't asked for. It was kind of like a shut up and do what I told you kind of energy, yeah. right? And maybe yeah. that was my lived experience. Okay. So then I go into nonprofit world where you have people with huge hearts, huge emotional investment, major interest in what's going on. And I tried to take that master and command type approach mm. and really did a disservice to myself but because I understood how important the work was, like I could see it having grown up. So one of my, part of my backstory is I was really overweight as a kid okay, and I was derided and really given a hard time about that. And I don't feel really that I handled that well. Hmm. And so instead of maybe showing a little grit and like hmm. pushing back in people's face and be like, yeah, well, why are you so perfect kind of energy, <laughs> right? I, I just absorbed it all, oh, took it wow. in and okay. just allowed it to land in all of it. Didn't matter if it was some knucklehead, <laughs> really shouldn't give two rips about what they think about much of anything. But there I am going, oh my gosh, here's mm. another person. So with that is it, I think um, the, the with, with that being part of my personality is that I was very much putting up walls about how I was going to protect myself from okay. being there. So um I go into Boys and Girls Club. People really care. They want to do that. And I'm trying to do master and command kind of energy. Mm-hmm. And it was it was received because there was a need for the business acumen side. You need to make sure you're hitting your marks, right? Sure. Are people showing up on time? Are they clocking in, et cetera? So it was helpful in that regard. And typically, in a very stereotypical fashion, your nonprofit energy tends to be much more like, oh, we'll get to it. Don't worry. <laughs> Receipts, they might be in this drawer, you know? like Sure, sure. And so that level of organization and actual like, hey, uh, let's let's approach this with like, like that more like hitting your marks and doing that. And so I think in a lot of ways, what happened is over time is I made so many mistakes. I did things the hard way, but I was always learning. Yeah. And I really approached it. I was like, what can I take away from this? And so... Over the seven years I worked in Boise at that Boys and Girls Club, before I applied to become an executive director in Ontario, I realized is I need to, as a leader, have a clear vision is what is it I'm trying to accomplish and how do I get other people to see it as clearly as I do? And not only want to see that done because it's going to accomplish something that they want to, but that they can facilitate and join me, join me in getting that done. And so it was like a huge aha moment. And Mm. so... Um, actually Boys and Girls Club rolled out the official formula for impact. It's an actual formula Hmm. that they say, you know, you take these things and it will help you accomplish what you want. Well, that really, I just taught to that with my staff. So any staff and I could be on big disagreement on something. I'd say, that's fine. Mm -hmm. How does this help us serve kids? And that was always the thing we would come back to. And it was great because it was an equalizer. It gave them equal Mm -hmm. Uh, leverage to have a very good point, but it also gave me is to say, well, that sounds to me is that's easier for you, but less, less focus on what's best for the kids. Yeah. And that has been my compass from the moment I kind of figured that out forward is I, I go, we're here, we're a mission driven organization. So we always start with what's best for the kids in mm-hmm. boys and girls club. And then after that, what's best for the staff. And then what's best for, you know, the, the you kind of go out from that, but you have to concentric start concentric circles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and those concentric circles are really important because that way you get, it's easy to get lost in the nonprofit world Okay. because there are people who want to save everyone and sure. all the things and sure. do all. And so it's called mission creep. I'm sure you're familiar yeah, with yeah, that. Yeah. Um, I'm sure your radio station at times are <laughs> like, are we mission creeping? Sure, sure. Um, but it's like to stay focused because if you can do your piece 
really well. Mm -hmm. Like, how do we help this community? I think donors then can invest in ways that they feel better about it because most donors don't just give to an organization, right? They've kind of got their idea of like, I want these things to be um, improved upon in my community, or I have a very deep passion from childhood about whatever um, I'm going to give to that plus this problem they're solving, right? The thing that I, um, going back to the leadership is that in the end is that I really feel that making that transition from the doer to the leader is is really challenging in small nonprofits. Hmm. So you're really not typically afforded that. And so when I was in Ontario, that was a really small club. Um, I was still doing okay. a lot of stuff. I didn't have the, the finances to have people. And, and Eugene, we're growing uh, at a, a very uh, healthy pace to build up the infrastructure, still involved in things. But the trade-off is, is that I find is that you get really good people that are more talented, smarter, um, pat, equally passionate about what you do and then help draw out what they already possess to help you get it done. And what I found is not only has it lowered my day-to-day stress and feeling like I have to do all the things, mm-hmm. um, but it also is like, I actually find a great deal of pride. Like I do with, with my own kids is where they're doing something, this amazing thing my teammates are. And I'm like, wow, that's so cool. Like what they're <laughs> doing is not only smarter, better, et cetera, et cetera, than what I would have done, yeah. but they're doing it without me having to tell them and I'm so proud of that. And mm. what we get as a result is much more beautiful. And it's a tapestry. You know, working with a board of directors is is a weird thing, mm-hmm. you know, because um, I don't have a boss. I've got a collective, yeah. right? Yeah. Any one board member can walk into my office and be like, hey, Matt, we need to talk about such and such. But that board member as an individual can't actually do anything. It's when they collectively do. So it's a, it, even that, my my managerial relationship with my, it requires a certain amount of like leading and guiding. So sure. um, I, I still would say I, I, I get maybe a C when it comes to <laughs> overall, because it's just, it's a very confusing space as a nonprofit sure. executive. Sure. It's a wild, you're, you're between two worlds kind of deal. But, um, but the, again, going back as, as I stay focused on mission and I have a brilliant board and I love them to death and they've been really good to me and I have a brilliant team and a brilliant staff. And here I am in the middle trying to like kind of oscillate between the two and serve both well. That's why I give myself a C is it I really want to be performing an A, but it, it, the amount of, of mental acuity and energy and time to do that, plus be a, a husband and a dad, mm-hmm. it's it's hard. So I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm learning. I have a growth mindset. I'm still trying to get better at that. Yeah, 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 <laughs> indeed. Well, we all are. Um, we're going to take our first break. We're talking with Matt Sorensen. He's the executive director of the Boys and Girls Club of em- Boys and Girls Clubs of Emerald Valley. We'll be right back. I'm Barbara Dellenbach, host of KLCC's Oregon Grapevine. M. Jackson is a geographer and glaciologist. She says studying ice brings insights about the entire planet. We have pretty amazing ice all over this planet, and I think it's worth people spending some time. If you want to get to know a glacier, really you should just go sit in front of one and turn your phone off and just be with it for a while. Glaciers and Women in Science on KLCC's Oregon Grapevine at klcc.org. And we're back talking with Matt Sorensen, the executive director of the Boys and Girls Clubs of Emerald Valley. So talk about the club. Talk about your mission, what you do, your, your the people you serve, all that stuff. Sure. Um, Boys and Girls Clubs uh, are basically, their whole purpose is to fill the need of what are kids doing when their parents can't be there? Hmm. 
right? So we serve school-age youth, which would be first grade to seniors in high school. And our mission is, and this is verbatim, is to inspire and empower all youth, but especially those that need us the most, to reach their full potential as productive, responsible, and contributing members of the community. And that to me is such a huge charge mm-hmm. because it's a we're working from kids from 6 to 18. Hmm. So that's their school age life. That's 12 years that we can walk side by side with a kiddo and be that place that they can count on that they say, I know I can be safe here. I know I'll get fed here. I know that someone will listen to me when I come by. I know that I'll get opportunities to do any number of things from arts, homework help, gym time, um, technology, field trips. And the amount of shaping, we actually know kids spend significantly more time out of school than in school. Mm -hmm. So I can safely say is that if a kid were to attend the Boys and Girls Club from first grade to senior in high school, I will have at a Boys and Girls Club more impact on the trajectory of their life than all the time they spend at school. Wow. You know, and so it's important. I think a lot of people we, we forget is it really does take a village to raise a child is that these kiddos, their parents, most families now, mom and dad, if they're so lucky to have both in their life, are working. You know, and it's not it's not the, the parents have betrayed the kids, and it's not that the kids are upset and, and, and totally failing, but without a space like a club where they're getting good, positive mentorship, they're learning about values. You know, they're learning about what does it mean to be respectful? What does it mean to take responsibility for your actions. What does it mean to have integrity? Those are the three values we teach at the club. And then learn by doing, right? The club has to be a place that it's safe for these kids to fail, Mm. right? And to learn through that so that when they make a moment and maybe their integrity level is not what it could be and they decide to steal something from Mm. a other club member, you know, like maybe they they left their chips out or something, Mm. you know, and they take those because like, oh, those would be really good. And we... The staff member comes into realizing that it occurred. What a teachable moment to speak to like, hey, you know, that's not showing a lot of integrity when you decided to do that. Yeah. Those are those learning moments, but it's like water to a stone, right? So that's how I really think that the club is such a good complement to our schools and to um, these extracurricular things like sports and and, these other things that kids can do is that it's a lot of time that they need to be able to have that guidance. And that guidance is is huge. And many of us, any of you that happen to be listening, when you reflect back, like who really impacted who I am today? Hmm. A lot of those people, it's in those quiet moments that you go, gosh, my you know grandmother, she said that was one of my real uh, impactful people. Mm-hmm. She, I had a really rough day. I came home, I told her about it. She reflected back to me in the, in, and she said these things, and my God, it changed the whole way I looked at the world and it helped me so much in that moment. That's what happens at the club, yeah. right? And yeah. so that's that's a, a lot of the power. So that's how that mission work happens is, is being there when kids need us most and yeah. making sure they're getting that support. Yeah. Talk about the structure of, of, of how your team works and, and, and perhaps, you know, kind of the buckets of services go into a little yeah. bit more detail. Yeah. So we have three things that we hope that every kid that comes into our doors leaves with us. One is that we work on building their academic success. We want them to be lifetime learners. One, 
you're never done learning. Anybody that ever gets that attitude of like, I know it all, <laughs> we know those people, they're not fun to be around. Um, <laughs> you want to be that lifetime learner. And these kids happen to be in school. So a lot of it comes back to is like, let's make sure that you're reading at level. Let's mm -hmm. make sure that your math skills are at level. Let's make sure that your homework's done, right? The other part then is, uh, is character development. It's a huge piece is that we want kids to become leaders in their community, but understand more importantly, and this is the, the one that I think the genesis, it's so important in this day and age. We are not, we do not get the choice to say that we're victims. Hmm. You have agency. Now, you may not be able to change everything around you. And some of us have the cards stacked against us. Sure. Some of us have a much harder hill to climb but as far as who's climbing the hill who is going to take action in your life to help precipitate the outcomes you want the you know the, the consequences of your actions right inaction has consequences action has consequences good and bad but it's such a critical philosophical piece for a child to take on and the sooner the better is oh my gosh i am responsible for the things that happen in my life to a degree either how I respond to them, mm -hmm. you know, something not great happens. How do I respond to this? Or what, what things am I doing to help, per, um, to anticipate things behave? You know, I, I use this as a simple example, and this is all that character development piece. A kiddo that decides to study for the test gets the consequence of that. Mm -hmm. The kiddo who goes, I don't need to do that. I don't, <laughs> I don't need to study. They also get the consequence of that, but neither of them, um, necessarily fail if they, uh, or, or are victorious forever in that moment, because it's the next test, the next thing that comes up. So if you learn from that and you reflect, you go, gosh, when I didn't study, I got that bad grade. Mm -hmm. It didn't go the way I want next time. Right. And that's a big phrase we use next time or not yet. Hmm. Right. It's a not yet energy. It doesn't mean forever, but like, how do we do that? Then you try to get the kids to adopt that. And so that's where that character development is so important because if we can see ourselves with agency and not as a victim, it changes the way in which you interface with your entire life. Okay. Right? Yeah. And so then the last piece is the healthy lifestyles. We know for a fact is that kids need exercise. Kids need to eat well. Kids need to practice behaviors that are going to serve them long term. And so we really work on both, you know, making sure kids get ex physical exercise. What's funny is a lot of us forget, we pretend we're all brain <laughs> and then, oh my gosh, this weird vehicle that carries me around and makes me available to like do my life. Well, that's an afterthought, right? <laughs> is we really want to make sure these kids, they're at a point in age where they physically require exercise. They need to move, mm -hmm. right? And we, we, we pretend that sitting them down and they should be still for X amount of time <laughs> because that's what's, what adults do is kind of contrary. It's really important is that they get opportunities to, um, all Bev Smith from kids sports, love you to death. This is a <laughs> phrase that she taught me. They need physical literacy. Mm. They need physical movement to use their body because it's connected so intimately at their ages. You know, this like from first grade until seniors, you know, this school age, they need to be able to use their body. So we yeah. really work on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, however you're comfortable in terms of talking about numbers, uh, you know, in terms of talk about the boys and girls clubs, you know, kind of place in the community, how many kids do you serve? You know, talk a little bit about sort of the, the particulars of, of, of why you're so critical for our community. Yeah. I'm very, I'm very proud of where we've come. Um, we were able to, I was here and able to navigate through COVID. And during that time, 
um, we were triage for a mm. little under, um, it was about 80 kids a day during COVID where wow. many parents, you know, working at um, the grocery store, um, places where you didn't have the option to be remote. Sure. There's a lot of jobs where you have to be there. And it yeah. just so happens a lot of our families are, are, are stepping up and serving those those roles. So we were doing that. And so that was about 80 kids. And so that was kind of, you know, I got here in July of 19 and it was March of 2020 when the world turned on its ears. Yeah. So like I didn't have a lot of, of like experience, like I have club experience, but I didn't have experience with this particular club to see kind of what was normative. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to now, we now are operating two sites. I was part of opening a second site in Bethel um, in partnership with Craig Sproul, a superintendent there. Mm -hmm. um, we serve about 100 kids a day. Um, every wow. day at the Bethel site at Prairie Mountain School. And then we serve about 110 to 120 kids a day at the Eugene Clubhouse, which most of the kids from that, not all, but most of them come from the Chavez Elementary, Adams Elementary, and um, ATA, which is the Arts and Technology yep. Academy Middle School. Between that and Bethel, and we're actually excited as we're opening a third site in partnership with 4J at River Road Elementary, and that'll serve about an additional 70 kids um, we currently serve about 500 children total annually and on any given day about 200 to 270 kids will be at a boys and girls club after school during the summer etc and so it's a great start it's it's we're really proud of that but um, I would like to see our organization serving closer to 600 to a thousand kids a day in the next eight years because yeah. the need is so significant. What would you like to see at your organization to be able to reach that number? What do you need? <laughs> I think there's a couple things at play. One, you have to have a space to do your work. And that is, I would say, is one of the more challenging pieces is we, uh, we we are lucky to partner with the school districts, for instance, at River Road and 4J or at Prairie Mountain. Um, those are really important because you can do that without having to build a building. Um, but it comes with the, the, the challenges that come with any cohabitated experience where, you know, you have teachers, uh, principals, et cetera, who, who, um, admittedly are like, can feel a little put out when maybe something doesn't go quite the way they expect it. So those, those relationships are a little, there's a lot of, uh, massaging those relationships, sure. but to, to answer your question is really what we need is uh, I would love to see us ultimately is to build an actual boys and girls club facility that is designated as such. Um, but I'm working with the Springfield school district and Willamette Lane over there to see what opportunities we have to serve the Springfield area. Um, and it takes resources, money, donations. Um, we're, we're lucky is that we have the ability to, to, to have people make donations, but um it's we have it like any business we have a three legs to our stool one of them's donations part of them are grants and then the other piece are um, in-kind partnerships ways in which you offset costs uh, but all of it requires a lot of grit board members that are willing to go to the moon and back hmm. to try to put their neck out there and help raise awareness and and, and help really advocate for how we can solve this um, but it's going to take patience too. That's something that I haven't <laughs> always had is that I can see clearly is like, man, we could build a state of the art boys and girls club. We can keep working at the Westmoreland center. We'll stay at Prairie mountain. We'll open this one at river road. We'll get some going in Springfield, build a clubhouse in Spring Hill. Eventually, you know, it's like, I can see the bigger picture. There'll still be need even beyond that. 
But what's great is when people see that we're solving problems today that generate the trees in which we can enjoy shade down the road, people get really excited about that because a lot of people can see without a ton of convincing, oh my gosh, take a kid who's at risk, if you will, take a kid who's vulnerable, who's, whose worldview is very not um, optimistic always because of what they see around them and what they see the trajectories for their life. They go, gosh, being an adult certainly doesn't seem like it's even anything remotely worth taking any aspirations towards. School seems like a waste of time. Those are those humans that I get the most worried about is because they completely disengage with what it is to be a human because now it's suffering. Now mm. it's just, we just, mm. you just suffer through life. Mm. God knows what's going to happen. And that human is the most dangerous because now they are not feeling they have agency. Yeah. They don't feel that they can drive the change that they want to see. And now fast forward, you could end up with any number of people who are now really struggling that as a, as a community now will help them in different ways. But it's really challenged because it's like, oh my gosh, now we have this this adult who very much is like in in real real need of support and, and and how do we do that so the things that we need really is spaces to work continued donations people who want to learn about this come take a tour you hmm. know those are things that a person could do and really i think see for themselves because there's a lot a lot of great agencies doing a lot a lot of really good work here but what I like is that we are upstream, we're preventative, and we're doing really good work that feels good. You feel good participating because you're like, wow, look mm. at all these kids having a great time. Mm-hmm. And that we're doing something preventative that will set up the stage for the future to be that much brighter. So Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Matt Sorensen, the executive director for the Boys and Girls Clubs of Emerald Valley, really appreciate you coming in and talking to us. Yeah, thank you. That was our conversation with Matt Sorensen of the Boys and Girls Clubs of Emerald Valley. The club serves nearly 500 kids with meals, activities, and school support. This has been the Oregon Rainmakers podcast on KLCC. I'm Michael Dunn, your host. Thanks for listening.